welcome to everyone this morning and especially to our guests. We are so happy to have you in our service today. Thank you for being here. And we hope and pray that you are touched by the presence of the Lord in this service today. If you're watching us online this morning, we welcome you as a part of this service and know that God is just as much with you as he is with us here in this sanctuary this morning. Amen. I'll probably mention this again this evening, but I just share it with you. I had a wonderful privilege last night to go uh, to the, uh, they used to be ILCDA. I forget what that stands for, but now I think they're the Potter's House. ILCDA means all these years. I didn't know that. Now I know. But brother and sister Tabarez and their family who were a part of Antioch for several years started a daughter work out of Antioch. And last night or this weekend, they're celebrating their 12th anniversary as a church, which is really hard to believe. And I had the privilege of going last night and uh, preaching the service last night and fellowshipping with them. Uh, they, they started 12 years ago with just a handful of people. In fact, when they first started, you probably could have sat the whole group in these seats over on the side. And now they're running over 150 people on a regular basis. And I share that with you because we're a part of that. We're, we, we've got a connection to that. And so don't, don't miss the point that God is doing way more than what we see or feel on a regular basis. Amen. Praise God. Would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord this morning? I want to read two verses. That's a little bit unusual these last several weeks. So we'll average out. Luke chapter 12, begin reading with verse number 6, Luke 12 and verse number 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings and not one of them not one of them is forgotten before God but even the very hairs of your head are numbered Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Five sparrows are told, sold for two farthings. I'm not quite sure what that translates into in modern terminology, but I will tell you basically what that saying is. Five sparrows are sold for nothing. Cheap. 
maybe even just a couple of cents. And yet, not one, not one, as invaluable as they are, not one of them falls to the ground that the Heavenly Father is not aware of. I preached to you this morning for a little bit on this subject, more valuable than a sparrow. Father, thank you for your presence moving and working in such a powerful way this morning. Lord, I believe with all of my heart you have already done things in this sanctuary today that are very significant in different lives. We may not know or see right now what it is you've done, but time will manifest what you've done, and I thank you for that. I believe, God, you've given somebody the victory today, and I believe others, you've renewed their faith that they will be victorious even if the battle continues to rage on, and I thank you for that. So, God, I pray now that through your word you would continue to minister. I pray that you would speak to somebody's heart. God, if it's only one single individual in this group of people today that you want to speak to, you value one. But I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would minister. I pray that your spirit would touch hearts and lives through your word in this place today, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. I trust you this morning and I depend upon you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. No phones allowed, no Googling allowed. Anybody know the name Christina Mouser? Mauser? Anybody know that name? Not one person? Let me ask you this question. Anybody here today know the name Kobe Bryant? See, let me see hands. You know that name. You've heard that name. You have some idea of who Kobe Bryant is. Those of you that are sports fans are well aware, and even those of you that are not really sports fans, some of you are probably aware that on January 26th of last year, Kobe Bryant, a daughter of his, and several other people were killed in a helicopter crash. Uh, it's not, I'm not a Kobe fan, I'm not a Kobe opponent, I don't really care. But it definitely is not a defining moment of my life when he died, I will say it that way. Nevertheless, as is the case with a few other things, how many of you can remember where you were when you got the news on 9-11? Yes. But I actually was sitting in a my chair, and uh, Timothy texted me. Was that sun? It was a Sunday afternoon. I think I was actually studying for service, and that is how I found out. I just in case somebody has no idea who Kobe Bryant is this morning, he was an 
NBA basketball player, a very good, a very successful NBA basketball player. He, he wasn't Michael Jordan. Neither is LeBron. Neither is Steph. There will be no other Michael Jordan. Sorry, all you young guys. It's done. It's finished. He is the GOAT of basketball, period. I realize I have the mic and you can't respond. There's no reason for you to. There's nothing to argue. There's nothing to discuss. But he was a very successful basketball player. A little over a month or about a month later, actually just a couple of days shy of a month, I think it was February 24th, the public memorial service for Kobe Bryant was held. Some 20,000 mourners packed the Staples Center in Los Angeles. And if you're not familiar with what the Staples Center is in Los Angeles, that is where Kobe Bryant spent his career and played all of his home games, was in the Staples Center. And so 20,000 people packed the Staples Center in Los Angeles on that day for the public memorial honoring legendary former NBA player Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, who were killed along with seven other people in a helicopter crash the month before. The star-studded ceremony opened with a powerful performance of Beyonce singing her song XO, which she said was one of Bryant's favorite songs and includes the lyrics in the darkest hour. I'll search through the crowd. Your face is all I can see. I'll give you everything. At various points throughout the event, the crowd broke out into chants of Kobe, Kobe. Retired NBA stars Michael Jordan, Dwayne Wade, and Tim Duncan, along with entertainer Jennifer Lopez and her fiancé, retired baseball player Alex Rodriguez, and late-night talk show host Jimmy Kimmel were all in attendance for the ceremony, and no doubt dozens of others notable celebrities were in attendance for that memorial service that day honoring Kobe Bryant and his life. Christina Mauser was a passenger on the helicopter. She was, in fact, a coach, girls' basketball coach, a part of Kobe Bryant's camps, the mother of Three children, the eldest, I think, early teens at the time. She was on the same helicopter. Unlike Kobe, her memorial service was held in the gymnasium of the high school that she went to. Her memorial service was not televised. It wasn't packed with the who's who of sports and entertainment. Because in the context of this, Christina Mauser was just a sparrow. While most of you here 
are aware again of the story, whether you were a sports fan or not, you're aware of the tragedy that occurred over a year ago with the passing of Kobe Bryant. There's actually four other people besides Kobe, Gianna, and Christina that were on the same flight. I'm pretty sure if you don't know who Christina is, you don't know who the other ones are. Same tragedy. Same tragedy. One life, the world. Kobe Bryant's known all over the world. And with one life on that plane, that helicopter that died, that died in that crash that day, the world mourned. And people even continued to mourn the loss of his life. Nobody, not on the same level, obviously there were some, but not to the same degree did people care about Christina Mauser and her husband and three kids that suffered the same loss that day. Because the world has a way of creating hierarchies and 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 we've got people that are notable and 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 significant in our world and and really sadly enough they're usually significant over things that are so trivial and meaningless. Don't misunderstand me this morning. I play sports. I love sports. I enjoy sports. I am not a sports hater. But the fact that you can put a ball through a cylinder uh, a, a lot of times and better than a lot of other people doesn't make you any more important than anyone else. Just because you have the ability to throw a ball down a field to a guy that's running full speed and get it to the right spot at the right time does not make you any more important than the next person. The fact that you can stand there and hit a ball that's coming at you 90 plus miles an hour and hit it 400 feet over a fence doesn't make you any better than anybody else. The fact that they may pay you hundreds of millions of dollars to do that does not make you any more important. The fact that you are recognized because of your face that's been on so many movies or so many TV shows, that doesn't make you more important. But if we're going to be honest today, that's not the way it works in the world. But I've come to tell somebody this morning that the God of this universe, the creator of everything, Knows your name. Knows where you are. Both physically but also figuratively. As the Spirit of the Lord is ministered in this place this morning, in the, in the, in the, in the vein in which it did, God knows what every single one of you are facing right now. He knows the exact circumstances that you are going through right now. God doesn't prioritize the celebrities. God doesn't prioritize the rich and famous. God knows when one little insignificant sparrow dies. 
Sparrows are viewed to be a nuisance. They can be viewed to be a pest. You don't, you, you, you don't get uh, uh, carvings or whatever, figurines of sparrows to put on your shelf. You get eagles and you get ducks and you get all of these other glow. Not sparrows because a sparrow is just a sparrow. But God went to the effort to tell us that the thing, one of the things in the world that may seem to be the least significant, we want to save the whales. We want to save the owls. I don't know that anybody's worried about saving the sparrows. I don't know of any organizations that have been built, any nonprofits that have been created to save the sparrows. And yet God says not one single sparrow falls to the ground that I am not aware of. There's there's more than likely a few people here in a group this size that the message you have received in your lifetime is that you are insignificant. You are unimportant. You are not valuable. The circumstances that you've been through, the life that you've had, perhaps even the family you've been a part of has sent you the message you're just not important. But I believe God has sent me today not with just a nice little sermon for you this morning not with just a nice little encouraging thought for you today but I believe with all of my heart the spirit of the Lord has sent me here today to tell somebody to the creator of the universe you are not insignificant you are not unimportant you are not just a common thing that people may view you as and that if he knows when one sparrow falls to the ground you better know he knows a whole lot more about what's going on in your life, about where you are, about who you are. I preached it just a couple of Sunday mornings ago. The psalmist said, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is the son of man that you would visit him? i tell you what it is, is the value that every single life has to the Creator. Not one of us, if we passed away in the next few days, would need an arena for our funeral. Not one of us. But yet the God of this world, the God of creation, recognizes every single one. He says, I've got the very hairs of your head numbered. I don't know if that means he keeps track of the follicles that used to be there when they're gone or not. Otherwise, for most of us, the job gets a lot easier for God the older we get. But he said, I I, I want you to know how, how, how intensely I know you. Adam Clark's commentary says this with regards to this statement of the very hairs of your head being numbered. Nothing is more astonishing than the care and concern of God for His followers. 
the least circumstances of their life are regulated. Did you hear that? The smallest circumstances of your life are ultimately governed by God. Not merely by that general providence which extends to all things, but by a particular providence which fits and directs all things to the design of their salvation, causing them all to cooperate for their present and eternal good. Romans 8 and 28 tells us that we know. Not we hope. Not that we wish. But we know that all things, somebody say all things. You see, the problem is there are some things that we have no problem believing they are working for our good. Anybody ever gotten a raise at one point in time at least? Anybody? Most of you. I got a question. Any of you that ever got a raise when when you walked out of your boss's office or the first moment you had to yourself... You just cried out, God, why? Why did you give me this raise, God? Why would you do that to me? Never even crosses your mind. Unfortunately, sometimes what happens, you walk out of that office, and the only thing you're thinking about is, well, it's about time. About time they realized I was more valuable than what they were giving me. You're not worried about God, but walk into the same office and let the same person look across the desk from you and say, I really hate to tell you this, but I've got to give you your two-week notice. We've got to lay you off. What do you do then? God, why? Why would, because that's a bad thing. So we think. So it's not hard for us to understand or believe that what we consider to be the good things are working for our good. But the scripture does not say that we know that all the good things work together for good. The scripture says we know that all things work together for good. So whether I view it as being good or bad, positive or negative, the promise that I have is that when everything is said and done, It may not seem that way while I'm in it. It may not feel that way while I'm going through it. But by the time it is all over with, I have a guarantee that everything I've been through, everything God has allowed or caused in my life is working for my good. I believe there's a lot of this this morning that if we were to think back over our lives, we could think of some things we went through that while we were going through them, they felt very bad. We had no idea how it could be for our good. But now that you are on the other side of it, you look back and say, I may not have understood it while I was in it, but now that I look back, I know that really was working for my good. I've heard more than one person in my lifetime say 
that if they had the choice to go back and not go through the difficulties, the tragedies, the heartaches they went through, if they could go back and not have to go through it, they would not accept that because now where they are on the other side of it, they realize, wow, that really was for my good. In fact, I wouldn't be where I am today had I not been through what seemed bad at the time. God knows that the fact that that boss looked at you across the desk and says, I'm sorry, we got to let you go. God knows that's for your good, but I got bills to pay. I need money. Yeah, but maybe God knows if you'd have stayed on that job much longer, you'd have ended up in a relationship that would have cost you your marriage, or you'd have ended up in some things that would have cost you salvation. And so therefore, God takes the risk of you trusting that what he does or allows that may seem bad is ultimately for for your good. Job, when he lost in one day, one day. Anybody ever had a bad day? If you're an adult, you've had a bad day. If you're a newborn, you've had a bad day. Proof is in the crying. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever had a bad day as bad as Job's. In one day he lost, he was a wealthy man, and in one day he lost all of his possessions. But more tragic than that was in one day, in one single accident, seven sons and three daughters were killed. And the only thing that he was left with was his wife, which most circumstances you'd think that would be a good thing. But when she finally wants to talk to him, all she says is, why don't you just curse God and die? I'm telling you, Sister Job had a life insurance policy somewhere. Put me out of our misery and let me cash in on it. And yet Job says this, the Lord, not the devil, not life, the Lord giveth. We love that part. Woo, give me, give me, give me, give me. Yeah, I'll take that. But Job said, the Lord giveth, but also the Lord taketh. Why is it we can trust Him with the giving? We don't question him when he's given. But why is it that we begin to question him when he's taking? See, we talk a lot about faith, and faith is such a key ingredient. If you study about faith in the Bible, it, it's one of the most fundamental elements that we have, that we must have. In fact, the Scripture says, He that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You've got to have faith in God. But I will tell you something that I think is equally as important as faith, and they are not the same thing, is trust. You need faith in God, but you also need trust in God. Because faith in God is your confidence in what God can do. Trust in God 
is your confidence in who he is. Oh, hallelujah. Faith in God is your confidence. He can heal. He can save. He can deliver. He can do whatever needs to be done. There's nothing impossible with Him. That's what faith says. But trust has to do with the fact that I believe that God is love. And therefore, everything God does is motivated by God's love. And if God decides to hold something from me, it has to be because He loves me and He knows what is best for me. So you need faith, but you also need trust. Faith says, God, you can raise this person up off their deathbed because you can do anything. When God doesn't do that, you're sitting at a funeral. Trust says, I trust who you are. I trust that everything you do is right. Everything you do is perfect. You see, if all you live on is just faith, I promise you, you will get disillusioned with God because He's not going to do everything you and I want Him to do. He's not going to answer every prayer the way we pray it. In fact, I'm sad to tell you today, naturally speaking, I'm sad to tell you today that most of the prayers we pray, He doesn't answer them the way we want Him to. But the good news is that He always answers them in the way that is best for us. Luke chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says some similar things here. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? And which of you with taking one thought, can add to his stature one cubit. Some of us have tried and we can affirm it doesn't work. If you then be not able to do that which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, They spin not, and yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. What's that? So I forget where we were the other day, but there was just randomly growing some white kind of flower that's not baby's breath, I don't think. What was it? Queen Anne's lace. Some of you know what that is, I guess it's weddings and other things it's i don't remember where we were but there was a bunch of it just randomly growing you see we walk through our yards if you own a house or rent a house and you deal with your yard you can walk through your yard we've got some flowers that are growing in our front yard in the in the in the in the flower beds because we planted them there But you ever drive down the road and in just random places you see absolutely beautiful flowers that you know no one intentionally planted there and no one's taken care of them. And yet they're just as beautiful as the ones in your yard that you're stressing over trying to see them be healthy. 
Consider the lilies, they grow, they toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast out into the oven, how much more, how much more will he clothe you how much more will god take care of you but we often judge god's provision god's love based on our circumstances well if god really did love me as he says if god really is taking care of me more than he's taking care of the lilies then why this why that Most of us at some point in time have, and most of us probably will at some point in the future, at the very least, think the question, if not voice it out loud. God, where are you? Where are you, God? Again, when do we usually ask that? Not when everything's going good. Not when we're healthy and life is going well. But we ask that question when our world is falling apart in some way. Whether that's through some kind of a sickness or some kind of family crisis. Some kind of financial crisis. We, we want to know, God, where are you? We never ask where He is when everything's going good. We only ask where He is when things are going bad. Psalms chapter 22 and verse number 1, David says what in essence I guess is a prophetic statement because I will read to you in a moment it's the same thing that Jesus would say hanging on the cross. But David says, the same one, the same one, actually let let me read what he says here first, Psalm 22 and 1, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? Where are you, God? You're not hearing my prayers. You're you're not listening to what I'm saying. You, You don't know what's going on. Where are you, God? Why have you forsaken me? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not. And in the night season, and am not silent. I cry, but you're not hearing. What's interesting is it's the very next psalm at least according to the way the Scripture is in order, it's the very next psalm where he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Yea, though I walk through the valleys. You know what? Most of us, we may not want to acknowledge, but most of us have split personalities. And I really, but I've got good news for you. Most biblical characters had split personalities. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The Lord is my shepherd. What? I don't know about you, but that is such a relief to me. 
Because if these great men and women of God could, in one chapter, be asking God where you've gone and why you've forsaken me, and then in the next chapter be boldly declaring the Lord is my shepherd, that means you and I are okay. That means when you and I ride the roller coaster of faith and doubt, God's not bothered by that. He knows it's about the outcome. It's not about any given moment. And then hanging on the cross, Matthew 27 and 46, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Not, not some criminal. Not just some normal human being, but God manifested in the flesh. The Word, which had become flesh, says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Somebody should have ran on that verse. Because when you struggle with wondering where God is, and the enemy wants to get on your shoulder and start condemning you. How could you ever question where God is? How could you let your circumstances cause you to question where God is? Well, I got one answer for that. Jesus, the same one who said to the storms, peace be still, and they obeyed. The, the same one that spoke to deaf ears and blind eyes and opened them and caused there to be. The same one that caused dead people to to raise up, says, where are you, God? So if Jesus felt that way, there is nothing wrong with you and I when we feel that way. Oh, I know some of you want to sit there all stoically. I don't know what you're talking about. You lying. You hypocrite. You know exactly what I'm talking. Oh, you don't want everybody around you to know. I mean, it's what we do all the time. We walk into church, we greet one another, shake hands. God bless you. Good to see you. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. How's things going? Oh, man, they're great. You just got through sitting in the parking lot for 10 minutes to get the redness off your face from all the tears you were crying over all the chaos that's going on in your life. But walk in here. Oh, it's great. Oh, he knows. He knows exactly where you are. And while your circumstances may tell you contrary to that, the truth of the matter is he knows where you are. Job says this in Job 23 and verse number 8, Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. Anybody ever felt that way? Didn't matter what you did, didn't matter how hard you tried, you just couldn't seem to find God. 
Anybody ever felt, boy, if I could just get to church? I know if I can just get to church and I can get in the presence of the people of God worshiping and the Spirit of God begins to move. I know if I can get there, I'm going to get what I need. And sometimes that happens. But then there's other times you get there and you look around and, boy, people are worshiping and dancing and shouting and running the aisles and you can't feel one single drop. what Job said. I I even went where he was working. I could see him working, but he didn't do anything for me. But then Job says this, which is absolutely critical for every one of us to get a hold of. In the previous two verses, Job is saying, I don't know where he is. But in verse 10, in spite of that, Job says, he knows the way that I take. And when He hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. As we've sung this morning, when it's all done with, I'm going to see a victory. I may not feel it right now. Everything may be going contrary to that. But God knows where I am. Can I tell somebody this morning the most important thing is not you knowing where God is. The most important thing is you having the confidence that God knows where you are. That's what matters. If you were in this sanctuary all by yourself, no one else was around, and you didn't have your cell phone, and you fell over with a heart attack or some kind of an injury, it doesn't matter if you know that less than a mile, I think less than a half mile from here, is the Arnold Fire Department where there's paramedics that can help you. You may know where they are, But what matters is, do they know where you are? And so it's okay today if you feel like you don't know where God is. It's okay if you've looked in every direction and tried everything. As Job said, I've come to tell somebody today, God knows exactly where you are and everything will work out for your good. Years ago, I can remember sitting in my living room with Brother Scott Shelton. He's a minister from Arkansas, travels around full time. He was probably here preaching or something, but we were sitting in our living room and and he would pull out his phone and, and he would go on to the Find My Phone app and he would look on that app and he would see where his wife was at that moment back in Arkansas. And I can remember for a little while, several different times, watching him do that and go, that's ridiculous, I don't know, why would you, until I started. (laughs) Every now and then, I'd go on the Find My Phone app on my phone, and I'd see at that moment where my wife was. Not because I was worried about where she was. Not because I didn't trust what she was doing. There was just a peace of mind that I knew where she was. God is the originator of Find My Phone. 
Except sometimes what happens when you touch on that app, if they're in a bad spot, you'll get this little like light blue circle that shows you this several mile radius of where they could be. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of different things that are in that area. But I love it when I tap on there and it doesn't say updated 45 minutes ago. But it says now, and there's that little blue flashing bubble that means she's right there, right now. Everything's okay. Uh, the problem with that is I am limited to where I am. And while I may know where she is, if she needs me where she is, I can't do anything about it. Whoa. But God doesn't just know where you are. In fact, the reason God knows where you are is not because He's tracking you. The reason He knows where you are is because He is with you. Because He said, I will never, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Do you understand today that if God were to ever truly abandon you, He cannot be God anymore? Uh, y'all are helping me some, but I, I, I'll take a little more help. <laughs> If God ever abandoned you, He now can't be God because He said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So if He were to forsake you, it's not just you He's letting down. It is all of humanity for throughout all of time. But I don't feel it. I don't see it. That's not what He promised. Isaiah 49 and 14 says this, But Zion, that's representative of the church, and we know that the church is made up of individuals. The church is not a building. It's not a facility. But Zion said, the people said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. You don't have to raise your hand on this one. But anybody here, not just in the past, but with where you are and what you're going through right now, you feel like God has forsaken you and that God has forgotten about you. Listen to what the Lord responds and says. Can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. But I will never forget you. Behold, I have graven you on the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. Every single time. This thing on my finger catches my eye. Or, after all these years of wearing a wedding band, I still find myself throughout the day with my thumb just spinning it on my finger. Some of you wear your wedding band when you sleep. I 
take mine off, but that's about the only time I don't have it on with the exception of when I'm doing some kind of physical labor or playing some kind of sport. Other than that, it's on. If I'm sitting around my house, it's on. I don't need a constant reminder that I'm married. I don't ever forget I'm married. But the bottom line is, that is always an automatic reminder. You're married. You're in a relationship. You, you belong to someone. They belong to you. In essence, what God is saying in these verses is that very thing. Except with what God is saying. It's not like my wedding band where I can take it off and leave it. He says you are, you are permanently there a forever reminder I know you I know where you are I know exactly what's going on I know exactly what I'm doing I know exactly how I'm going to get you through what you're going through no, 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 no that doesn't mean I can promise you in fact I can't promise you and I, I have to be honest with you I'm not saying this morning that when you get through every circumstance and situation that it's going to turn out the way you wanted it to turn out but, can, but what you can trust is that if you are trusting Him and following Him to the best of your ability, then however it works out is for your good. Are not five sparrows sold for nothing? How much more valuable, how much more worth do you as an individual have to the Creator and a sparrow. Would you bow your heads right where you're sitting? As I said in the prayer before I began to preach, I don't care. Out of a group of a couple of hundred people gathered here this morning, I don't care if it's only one single person in this room that God is talking to. I'm pretty confident that it's more than one person. May not be the majority. I'm pretty sure there's more than one single individual that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to this morning to let you know. No, you may not be the Kobe Bryant on the helicopter. You may be just the Christina that the world has no idea who she is. But the God of heaven knows exactly who you are, where you are, values you, loves you, gave his life for you. As eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I want to invite somebody 
that you acknowledge, you're willing to acknowledge that God is speaking to you this morning and you want to receive what He has for you this morning. As no one's looking around just to try to make it a little more comfortable on you, would you just stand right where you are? Just right where you're sitting and in just a moment, I'm going to ask someone to come and join together with you because this isn't something you've got to do on your own. This is not a journey you've got to take by yourself. Not only is God there with you every step of the way, but the reason, part of the reason you and I are here, the reason we are not in this by ourselves, we're a part of the church, is because we need each other. If God is not speaking to you and some of you maybe you know God's talking to you but you just you just don't feel comfortable standing at this point and that's fine but if you know that this isn't necessarily what you need in this moment would you let the Lord use you right now to minister to somebody else there's a few folks that have stood and acknowledging that they need the Lord to help them today they need to give get the assurance that God knows exactly where they are can I get some help please they need they need that confirmation they're not forsaken they're not alone he hasn't abandoned them if he knows when one insignificant unimportant sparrow if God knows when every single one falls to the ground how much more how much more does he know about you who were created in his image I have after his likeness how much more the Bible says the that He's touched of God, by our feelings of infirmity. He's moved by our the weaknesses. Of the he, he feels our pain. He feels our I suffering. Trust the power of your word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Enough to seek your kingdom in Jesus' name. Come on, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost Church? I, I believe there's some folks that they may not have stood, but God is touching them. They may not have felt comfortable standing, but the Spirit of the Lord is still ministering to them. Would you let God use you? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know exactly where each one of us are, God. Every step is ordered by you. Every step is ordered. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Oh, yes. 
in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Have your way right now, Jesus. I pray that you would confirm to hearts and lives in this place. You know exactly where they are. You know exactly what they're going through. It's all under your control, God. I will not feel the pain. God will make a way. It may not look like it right now, but God's going to make a way. I know it may not seem like it right now, but God is going to make a way. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He will never abandon you. that he doesn't know where I am. There's never a moment that he doesn't see me. He's got me surrounded. He's got you surrounded. Oh, yes. No valley where you won't find me. Ghost is still ministering, people are still praying, but 
whenever you're ready or whenever you need to go, you're welcome to. Thank you again for being here with us today. In Jesus' name.